In the province of Aragon, in Spain, there once lived a mighty king whose power extended over many cities. Jews lived happily under this king, especially in Saragossa, which was the capital of Aragon, where the large Jewish community took every opportunity to show the king how much they appreciated his leadership. The king would celebrate special occasions with a royal parade. The parade would pass the Jewish quarter, and the heads of the Jewish community would go and meet the king, carrying the Sefer Teda cases according to the Sephardi custom. This was a special gesture in honor of the king. However, we must respect the honor of a Sefer Teda more than we respect the honor of a king, so the actual Teda scrolls were taken from the cases on these occasions and kept in the Aron HaKadosh in all of the shuls because no reading of the Teda is involved. The king was unaware that the Sefer Teda cases were empty and felt deeply honored by this show of appreciation from the Jewish community. It pleased the king very much, and everything would have been well except for somebody in the king's circle who hated the Jews and was jealous of the king's friendly feelings toward the Jews. This person was always looking for a way to show the Jews in a bad light, while at the same time putting himself in a good light. When this man found out that the Jews would take out the Sefetetas from the cases before going to give honor to the king, he felt he had found the opportunity he was looking for, and he told the king. Unfortunately, the king was easily convinced by this person that the Jews meant to mock him by carrying empty cases when they went out to greet him at the royal parades. And when this person saw how angry he had managed to make the king, he suggested, Your Majesty, you should give an order to have all of the Jews driven out of your land. The king was indeed angry, but he had never entertained doing something so awful to the Jews by way of punishment. So he said, Well, I understand they have a very powerful God. Wouldn't their God punish me for hurting his people? No, Your Majesty, the Jews cannot expect any mercy or consideration from their God. They live so comfortably under your gracious leadership, so they've drifted away from their religion. They don't obey his commandments. Therefore, they do not merit his special protection. Hmm, said the king. But if we send the Jews out of our land, our country will suffer. They do a lot of business. They pay a lot of taxes, and they're very useful citizens. No, Your Majesty, the Jews are scattered throughout your land. I don't think that you would notice their absence very much. Hmm, said the king. But why would I punish all of the Jews? What about those who are innocent of any wrongdoing? Isn't it just the Jewish leaders who are guilty of this crime that you claim they've committed? Your Majesty, you should know... The Jews are all the same. They stick together in everything they do, so they're equally to blame for the disrespect that they've shown you. This evil opponent of the Jews felt sure that he had won the argument. Look here, said the king. I am very angry with the Jews, if what you say is true, and I agree that they should be severely punished. But to be fair, they've always shown themselves to be loyal subjects. I'll make a deal. At the next parade, 
When the Jews come out to meet me, you will ride in my carriage with me. I give you the authority to open the Torah cases, and if they are found to be empty, then we will carry out what you describe. On the other hand, if what you say is untrue, and the Torahs are indeed in the cases, then the punishment will be turned against you. Are you prepared to take that chance? I will not be made a fool of by anybody, including you. This evil opponent of the Jews was quite sure that he had the right information. It was easy for him to agree because he was already picturing himself riding in the royal carriage next to the king, being second to the king in everything, wearing regal clothing. But how true it is that pride comes just before a fall. The night before the next royal parade, the shamash of the big shul in Saragossa couldn't sleep. He was thinking about the king's visit to the Jewish quarter, and he was worried. He was weighed down by a feeling that something was threatening the Jewish community. Finally, he fell asleep, only to dream that an elderly, wise-looking Jew appeared to him, saying, Get up! Get up! Hurry! Danger threatens all of the Jews. Hurry to the shoal and put the Titus back in their cases and leave them there. Don't say a word to anyone. Shamash woke up, put on some clothes, and ran all the way to the shoal. He guessed that the man in his dream must be Eliyahu Hanavi, and that the dream was a serious warning, and the Shamash was indeed correct. It was Eliyahu Hanavi. But what the Shamash did not know was that Eliyahu Hanavi's Achor Latoiv had appeared to the Shamash of every one of the shuls in the city of Saragossa. They had all done the same thing, hurried to their shuls and put the Titus back inside their cases, waiting to see what would happen. The following morning, when the sound of trumpets was heard through the city, heralding the beginning of the royal parade, the heads of the Jewish community took the Taita cases and went to meet the king, believing that the Taita cases were empty as usual. As the royal carriage stopped for the king to receive the greetings of the heads of the Jewish community who were all holding the Torah cases, the enemy of the Jews who was sitting next to the king said, Your Majesty, don't you want to see what is inside those cases that the Jews are carrying? Yes, of course I do. Kindly open the cases, ordered the king. The Jews were horrified. They knew that they would only bring the empty cases. They knew that the Titus were safely back in the Aron Kadesh. What would the king do? They had no choice but to obey. So they opened up the cases, and to their wonderment and relief, saw that the Sifrei Titus were inside. The king also seemed surprised. And as for the enemy of the Jews who was sitting next to the king, a look of triumph disappeared from his face and was replaced with a look of fright. He tried to speak, but was unable. The king looked at him and said, You traitor! You deceiver! How dare you! This time you've outsmarted yourself, and you will suffer the penalty of your own vicious scheme. How dare you try to harm some of my most loyal subjects who give me such wonderful honor whenever I visit them. 
Guards, hang him. The enemy of the Jews received the end that he so richly deserved. As for the Jewish community, the king declared before everybody that he had full confidence in their loyalty. And as a gesture of goodwill, he freed them from paying taxes for the next three years. When the Jews learned the full story of their narrow escape, they were relieved and joyful, and they thanked Hashem for his benevolence towards them. They realized that no matter how favorably they view the king, they are completely dependent on the king of all kings, and they resolved to serve Hashem with greater devotion than ever before. The community also decided to keep the 17th day of Shvat, the anniversary of the miraculous deliverance, as a day of prayer and thanks to Hashem, so that their children and their grandchildren and all future generations would remember the story of how they had been miraculously saved from destruction at the hands of a cruel enemy. And that day was known as Purim Saragossa. (laughs) 